This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Hello! Welcome back to another episode of the Food Factor Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Mahachek. I hope your summer is moving along nicely. I can't believe it's already almost the 4th of July. My goodness, does time fly when you are roasting in the heat. Anyways, this episode is going to be short and sweet, I think. We'll see. I want to follow up to last week's episode with a few questions that I received, as well as kind of expanding on a couple of things that were said. And I know some podcasts like to start out with the host telling like a personal story or something that they're doing, but I'm more of a get to the point type of podcast listener. So I'm just going to jump right in if that's cool with you. Great. Okay. So last week I was talking about how the foundations of healthy habits start at a young age. Kids learn what health is at a young age, and they also learn the difference between healthy and not healthy at a young age. When it comes to long-term habits, that is the focus that a lot of parents are concerned with is will their kids establish longer-term healthy habits. When it comes to those long-term habits, adults or caregivers of the child play a crucial role in how the child looks at health and how they form their foundational habits. Specifically, Last week, we looked at exercise, sleep, and nutrition because they are part of the core of health. Just a part of it, but a a big part of the core kind of foundations of health. So I want to expand a little bit on a couple of those. When it comes to exercise, this was one I talked about in the last episode that I want to uh, expand on a little bit. Establishing a healthy relationship with exercise, or if you prefer to call it movement, that's okay too. But this happens at a young age. I have talked to many adults who are struggling to establish a good routine or a relationship with exercise because it was never something that they did as a child, or maybe they weren't around people who were exercisers. Um, Also, if the conversation around exercise was that of dread or that of misery, or I have to go work out, you know, if those kinds of conversations were had in somebody's household, or if they are currently being had in your household, this is what I'm talking about. This kind of language around some of these habits and some of these things is what I'm talking about. So if you are saying like, oh, I have to go to the gym, or I have to get out for a workout or what have you. To the child, that's they're probably like, why would anyone want to do that? That sounds awful. I don't want to do that. You know, how are they going to establish a good relationship around exercise or a good foundational habit around exercise when it's already talked down upon? So you may be thinking, well, but I don't like exercise. <laughs> what should I do? How can my child learn a better way? Simply do try this one thing out. Instead of saying, I have to. I have to go for a walk. I have to go to the gym. Switch it to, I get to. I get to go work out. I get to go for a walk right now. I get to go move my body. That shows that it's something 
to enjoy, something that's beneficial, something to look forward to. And that one simple tweak can really set a different tone for that activity, even if it's something that you don't want to do. That can also be applied to really anything. I get to go to sleep at nine o'clock. I get to have my veggies at dinner. You know, it shows that it comes from a place of gratitude instead of dread. So this doesn't mean it's something that can't be added in now, though. For kids, especially the kids who aren't immediately drawn to sports, showing them the benefits of exercise or movement is great in opening the door for building a movement foundation. They don't have to play sports, but our bodies were designed to move and they function best when they can move. A lot of kids nowadays simply don't move. So begin asking your kids, how are you going to move your body? Explain why moving your body is important. So aside from helping to build strong muscles and balance and coordination, exercise or movement helps to improve memory and brain functioning. It helps to clear out kind of stagnant energy and get ideas flowing. I love movement for this specifically. I have what I call my epiphany activities, which is basically when I go for a walk, I get the blood flowing, my focus kind of changes, I'm able to think clearly, and I come back from that walk with a better focus, new ideas, and things that I can now go from. So that is very helpful for kids. Maybe if they're studying or if they're reading and they tend to reread the same paragraph over and over again, or if this happens to you, it's a sign that your body needs to get up and move. So again, for kids, especially the kids who aren't immediately drawn to sports, showing them the benefits of exercise or movement is a great way to open the door for building a movement foundation. And if you can, tie it to an interest that they do have and find an activity or movement that they do like. Maybe it's dancing around to fun music. Maybe it's a walk in the neighborhood. Maybe it's going for a bike ride. There's something out there for everyone, I promise. Just keep trying new things with them and see what they gravitate towards. Maybe it's acting out their favorite book outside in the yard. You know, make it fun and personal to them, and that will help keep their interests. Another option, you don't have to do this, but you could try it if you want to. Just to get our kids up and out of the house, we used to come up with scavenger hunts for them, and we'd walk with them around the neighborhood. We would pick maybe like four or five things that each kid could look for and point out, and then they'd check it off on a list. So for example... We would write down three flags or a basketball hoop or a blue flower or 10 birds. And for the older kids who can read, they didn't need as much help with this. And they'd kind of just go off ahead and check off the things as they saw them. But for the younger kids, we would just draw the pictures of what they needed to find. So they could then still check it off their list. And we would easily spend like an hour doing this. uh, And it was very engaging for them. Now, It wasn't a calorie scorcher workout by any means, but that wasn't the point. That's not what we were going for. We are playing the long game. Remember, the long game is what the goal is. In the long game for establishing walking or movement as normal activity, that that activity was a great way to do that. So with sleep, sleep is another thing. Why is sleep important? Have you explained that to your kids yet? 
I know some kids have absolutely terrible sleep patterns. I was there. Three out of my four kids didn't sleep through the night until well past a year, (laughs) a one year old. So I get it. And there are, are sleep regressions too, which come back and kind of bite you in the butt. That's the worst. Just when you get back into a good groove with sleep, all of a sudden you have a few weeks, months, or hopefully not, but sometimes years where a toddler or a small human is all of a sudden standing at your side of the bed, staring at you in the middle of the night because they can't sleep. It happens. These foundational years absolutely have their challenges. But remember, you are playing the long game. Explain how sleep makes them feel. When they don't get enough sleep, how do they feel? They're grouchy the next day. When they do get enough sleep, how do they feel? Maybe they have more fun the next day. Sleep is a time for their body to grow big and grow strong. That could be something that you explain to them. However you want to phrase it, explain the why. Similar to food and exercise, they may not seem to care, or they may not take to it, or they may not be yet at an age where it makes sense to them. But that's okay. Repeating it, establishing the habit of proper sleep, it normalizes it, and it makes it more likely that they will eventually... Uh, stick to it and it'll click for them at some point and it'll be established into a healthy routine. And for that, I'm talking more around the kids who don't want to go to sleep. If your kid is waking up in the middle of the night, there's a root cause for that. So it could be nutritionally related. Absolutely. I've seen this a lot and in adults as well, where maybe they had sugary things or, um, foods high in carbohydrates before bed and their blood sugar crashes at at one point in the middle of the night and that wakes them up. So that's something to always take note of. What is the cause? What is the reasoning behind them being in a sleep regression? The tips I was talking about just now was more along the lines of establishing the bedtime routine and getting them excited, maybe not excited, but maybe getting them into the flow of going to bed at a certain time. But if your child is waking up in the middle of the night repeatedly and regularly, is it a fear? Is it a, a something new in their life going on? There's a lot of things that can disrupt their sleeping patterns um, and nutrition can be one of them. So that's always something to take a look at too. And I want to follow up on a few things from last episode regarding the nutrition. I get asked a lot if hiding veggies in other foods is a good thing. And the short answer is no-ish. I can absolutely understand why parents do it. If your kid is so opposed to veggies that in order for them to get any form of the nutrients that the veggie provides into their body, you have to hide them. I get it. But that's coming from a place of fear. And that doesn't establish long-term habits. How can a habit be formed when the child doesn't even know they're getting it in the first place? And I know there are cookbooks and blogs out there that are devoted to sneaking veggies into meals, Uh, but I'm really not a fan. I'm not, I want to be, but I'm not a fan. Not that it matters what I think. You do what you want. What you still want to do though is have visible veggies on the child's plate. If they eat them, great. If not, don't force it. As we talked about in episode 16, kids need the exposure to veggies or any food, really, if they're going to eventually try it. And at its core, an exposure is essentially normalizing a food, right? That's what we talked about all last episode. It's simply normalizing the things you want your kids to have as their foundation. And full disclosure, I 
add pureed veggies or other form of veggies into foods. I do, but not to try and pull a fast one on my kids. It's to boost the nutritional value of something. So for example, I made stuffed peppers last week. Instead of using rice in the mixture, like many recipes called for, I use cauliflower rice. Not to try and sneak in a veggie that my kids don't like, which they really don't, by the way. It was to increase the fiber content of the food and add in another color. But the difference is, as they were eating it, I pointed it out. I pointed out that they were eating three different types of veggies. Well, five if you count onion and garlic as veggies as well. But never was the tone, ha ha, I fooled you. It was more, isn't this great that in one meal you have so many beneficial things? And speaking of veggies and colors, this is another thing you can introduce with your kids at any age. Focusing on color of the veggies instead of the type can sometimes be more receptive to, or the kids can sometimes be more receptive of that. So the phytonutrients in the vegetable, remember phytonutrients when broken down literally means phyto means plant and nutrients is nutrients. So it means nutrients from plants. The phytonutrients or nutrients from each plant is what gives them their bright color. So simply focusing on getting a rainbow of colors during the week helps ensure you and your kids are getting a variety of the phytonutrients. So if your kid hates broccoli, okay, what else green will they eat? How many colors can they eat in a day? How many colors can you eat in a day? Can you go to the grocery store and everyone pick out at least two different colors? You can make a game out of it. So again, to recap the last couple of episodes, adults set the stage for what kids consider normal. We are the creators of their foundation. Similar to you help your kids develop a habit around like brushing their teeth, food and other wellness-related habits are the same. It's not meant to be a lot of pressure. As I said in the last episode, every single habit you have is learned. Habits are learned. Foundational habits are learned. If these past couple of episodes made you aware, though, that maybe there are some habits you are wanting to change, reach out to me. Set up a session or a consultation. Let's talk through it. Recognizing your non-beneficial habits is the first place to start. And then taking action is the next. And I'm happy to help in any way I can. It is not my intention to shame anyone. It is not my intention to guilt anyone. Change built off of guilt rarely lasts. It is simply my intention to show you that yes, your habits matter, especially when it comes to your kids, but also you can absolutely do something about it. I hope you found this helpful. I hope you can take some time and kind of reflect back or journal out your intentions or your first action to take. And if you'd like support, I'm just an email or a message away. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Food Factor Podcast. It is my personal mission to help people make the best food choices that they can for their particular situation. So if you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend or a family member or somebody who needs to hear this information and also leave me a review. Those are the things that help get this podcast seen and heard by more people who could use the help as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening.